We all have paradigms and roadblocks that prevent us from excelling, and they can be real or imagined. Welcome to Beyond Bricks, a podcast that will give you the ability to break through those walls. Here's Dr. Nathan Unruh. But, uh, you know, where I really started, things started to come together is after well, I survived the plane crash of this miracle on the Hudson. That day I was on business in Brooklyn, got off early, end of a three-day business trip, and I wanted to get home. So I changed my flight, uh, the 5 o'clock flight, to the earlier flight. It happened to be flight 1549. It definitely changed that day, but it definitely changed the direction of my life. Originally, when the bird struck, I heard the explosion, but I didn't think too much of it. I mean, I knew planes lost engines. I've been on planes that lost engines before. But what's so unusual about this, as we know, is it was a double bird strike. It blew out both engines simultaneously. And that's a one in a billion shot. And so, you know, at that point in time, I really didn't think of anything about it until we started approaching the George Washington Bridge. And the captain said his famous words, this is your captain, brace for impact. Then I knew it was serious. I never heard that one on the plane. And we only cleared the George Washington Bridge by roughly 400 feet. The bridge is 600 feet up. We were 1,000 feet. We roughly clear about 400 feet. Welcome everyone to this conversation. I'm super excited to introduce a guest to you that's got a phenomenal story and coming out of that story has got some tremendous insights for us to become better human beings. We're going to talk leadership, we're going to talk adversity, we're going to talk about uncertainty. So let me introduce you to Dave Anderson. Nice and nice to meet you, Doctor. Glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad I'm here too. So Dave, just let's, let's yeah. kick it off. Tell yeah. us about you. My background is I was in sales for 37 years, 37 years to be exact, just retired from the corporate world. But, uh, you know, where I really started, things started to come together is after well, I survived the plane crash of this miracle on the Hudson. That day I was on business in Brooklyn, got off early, end of a three-day business trip, and I wanted to get home. So I changed my flight, uh, the 5 o'clock flight, to the earlier flight. It happened to be flight 1549. It definitely changed that day, but it definitely changed the direction of my life. So let's just stay there for a yeah. second, okay? Because, yeah. I mean, we all know that story, phenomenal story. What seat were you in? I was to seat 15A on 1549 on January 15th. <laughs> oh, are you all serious? Right? Yep. Okay, so yep. go over just how you were yep. feeling and, and what took yep. place inside of you during that time. Originally, when the bird struck, I heard the explosion, but I didn't think too much of it. I mean, I knew planes lost engines. I've been on planes that lost engines before. But what's so unusual about this, as we know, is it was a double bird strike. It blew out both engines simultaneously. And that's a one in a billion shot. And so, you know, at that point in time, I really didn't think of anything about it until we started approaching the George Washington Bridge. And the captain said his famous words, this is your captain, brace for impact. Then I knew it was serious. I never heard that one on the plane. And we only cleared the George Washington Bridge by roughly 400 feet. The bridge is 600 feet up. We were 1,000 feet. We roughly clear about 400 feet. And so people don't know that part of the story. He did a phenomenal job. He and Scott did a phenomenal job mm -hmm. being over the bridge. But at that point in time, you say your last prayers, right? You know, people ask me all the time, it's like, what was going through your mind? What was that moment like? And I tell people, it's, it's a surreal moment because what happened to me, I saw the movie of my life sort of pass through my eyes because you have less than a minute and you could be dead. Mm -hmm. And you know it. Mm -hmm. And you see it. And I saw the movie of my life. I saw things from Little League Baseball to high school through college, meeting my wife kids born, all those defining moments sort of rushed in my head. Then you put your head down, it's like, this is it. You know yeah. the end of the story, you're sitting here with me today, yep. so you live to tell about it. How did you feel once you knew you were safe? Then what went through your head? Well, it's, that's an interesting story because I, there were times where people thought that I was safe, but there were times such as when you, I got to the ferry, on the ferry, 
you know, I swam to get to the ferry and I thought I was safe, but that's when I, it was so cold. I was in 36 degree water for over seven minutes and there's 11 degree air temperature and I could barely breathe. So f at first I thought I was safe, but I wasn't. Next time I thought I was safe, I was in the triage center with no clothes on and then someone put a tag on my foot, you know, to basically identify me. First thing I thought, I was dead. I thought like the movie Ghost because I'm like, the only thing I could relate was the, like the, the TV show MASH. When they tagged your toe, you're out. And I thought I was dead. I got to the hospital, right? They were going hard at me because my body temperature was so low and I had hypothermia and I mean, it was just going crazy. And you know, at that point in time, I didn't know this till later, but my vitals were so poor that they were, that's why they were really working on me hard. It took them five hours basically to get my body back to where I could actually, you know, as soon as I could go to the bathroom, they said, that's when we knew you were gonna make. So it was a long time, I really was out until later that night when I was in the private room, and that's when I realized, I was like, wow. But it was the next day when I flew home, when it hit me. Because I was on the plane, I was back in coach, I didn't get first class, I got back to coach. But the captain and I had a conversation before I, I got seated. He told me that when we hit 3,000 feet, and that's all the higher the plane got, he was gonna ring the bell. So he and I would know where it happened. And I was in the seat, right, and also I hear this bell. I looked out the window, and that's like, whoa, 3,000 feet's not that high. And that was the moment I, everything I heard, tasted, felt, saw the next, just rushing my body. It had so much emotion in my body. It's like, whoa, I am so blessed to be alive because this could have gone a whole different way very quickly. Well, you're much braver than I am to get back on a plane. I was being told what to do. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. saying, this is what you're going to do. They, they yeah. Were, but yeah, I was, it was, that, that wasn't the tough plane flight. The next flight was the tough plane flight. Well, the backstory is when I got back, I didn't even know my company knew I'd been in a plane crash. No one called me. No one called my wife. So two of my daughters, when I got back, and I went, I just, on the way home, we just stopped by the office. I said, hey, just want to let you know. And the first remark from my manager was, you're going to Michigan next week, right? It wasn't like, can we help you? Are you all right? You're going to Michigan next week. And I reluctantly said yes. I could have said no, but it actually turned out good. But next week, I got on this plane, and it was a Delta flight. Now, I love Delta, mm -hmm. but I was a rock star on U.S. Airways. I mean, I could basically yeah. name my price, right? But I was in the last row by myself, and I felt shaking. I'm like, that's when I started feeling, uh-oh. And then, fortunately, the flight attendant recognized me from some of the interviews that I had done, notified the captain. The captain came back, and he and I sort of talked for a few minutes just to that gave me some certainty and comfort. You know what? Everything's going to be all right. And it, it was the right decision to get back on the plane because many people from that day still haven't got back on a plane yet. Yeah. Okay, so that's a good segue. Yeah. Okay. So this was a pivotal moment in your life. You spent 37 years yep. in sales yep. and doing sales for an organization. Yep. You have just now recently retired. Yep, three weeks ago. Yep. And because of that moment, it gave you a new trajectory of this next creative act in your life. Yep. But you had something that you told me before we got on camera here. Somebody gave you a list. Yeah. And this event really revitalized that commitment you made. That's Speak correct. Speak to that for a moment. Yes. I, you know, when I got out of college, I moved home, and my dad told me I had 30 days to be out. And one thing I tell people, my dad was a man of his word because I didn't have a job in 30 days. So he got me a job. And it was a second assistant restaurant manager at Howard Johnson. And my third stop was in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I live right now. Second assistant means you're working second and third shift. You're not working nine to five, right? But that turned out to be a blessing for me because what happened was there was a gentleman and his wife would come in every night and have ice cream and coffee. His name was Bill. Her name was Bonnie. He was about 77 years old at that point. And we'd talk and talk and have a good time. And I, was, I started dating my future wife, and I had no money. 
he, he said, here, take your girl out on me here. Here's a couple of movie passes. Just tell me how, how it worked, how you liked it. So I went, we took her out, I took her out to the movie, and I turned the tickets in, and the gentleman said, tell Mr. Bill Hay. Came back, the next time I saw him, he said, how, how was the experience? I said, it was great. The guy told me, he said, hey, so, yeah, I own that movie theater. In fact, I own 80 movie theaters and restaurants through North and South Carolina. And I found out he was known as the Bill Walton of Charlotte because he wore a flannel shirt, drove a pickup truck, you never know who this guy was. So fast forward to December 24th, 1984. He rolls in a little early, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, it's Christmas Eve, you know. And he rolls in, he said, I want to show you why I got Bonnie for Christmas. I said, cool, he got a brand new blue Corvette. Now, I'd never seen a Corvette, i never smelled a Corvette, but it was cool, man, it was cool. He threw me the key, said, let's take a ride. So he went up and down Woodlawn Road in Charlotte, came back, through the guy said, hey, Bonnie's gonna dig this, man. He goes, you need one of these. I said, Bill, I'm making 13,000 a year, man. I can barely afford my rent. He looked at me and said, that's your problem. That's your mindset. He said, let me show you what it takes to be successful. So for 13 years, he mentored me. He showed, shared with things. He introduced me to people. It was an amazing education. Fast forward to 1997, he called me to his office. And he said, two things he wanted to share with me. Number one, he had lung cancer. And second, he went over to his desk and pulled out these notes, these, all these papers. He sat down, put them right on my lap. He said, I want to give these to you. I said, what are they? He goes, these are the notes I wrote down in 1929. When I sat down and started thinking about how to put this together with my mentor, I want to give this to you but you have to promise me one thing. I said, why? He goes, do not let it die with you. He passed away in September of that year, 1997. I didn't do anything with those notes, but I was writing my first book, Moments Matter, and I was getting content, right? I was going back through journals, and I found these notes. I'm like, well, I've had this gold for how long, right? I am, but more importantly, I had not fulfilled a promise. And that's what really was with this, the stirring pot to do what I'm doing now. Is now is my, I feel it's my obligation, not only me, but everybody else to leave your legacy behind. This is what I'm doing right now. I want to make sure I teach this, but also share what I've learned out of this. And that's what my next book's about, is what I've learned out of this. What a great story. And aren't those sages so important? I mean, I, I tell my kids, my kids are extremely intelligent, but what they don't have is they don't have wisdom, mm -hmm. right? Wisdom is when you take your intelligence and act upon it in a positive way, right? They, you're wise. So it takes experience to get that wisdom, and these folks have that wisdom. Mm -hmm. We're getting that wisdom. And I think it's incumbent on all of us to pass this on so we can help people compress decades into days. And that's what he did for me. He, he basically gave me his wisdom, and now I can use it to help other people, but more importantly, make decisions, right? And keep the mindset. Because when all stuff's breaking loose and you're going down in a plane, the only thing you can control is this. You don't control the plane. You control this. And if you can't control this, you are lessening your opportunity to have a successful ending. Yeah, in your most recent book, what's the name of it? Yeah, the new book's called The Limitless Life. Okay, and your other books from Moments Matter? Moments Matter, From Turmoil to Triumph, is, is the lessons that he taught me. Uh -huh. It's really around the power of having a mentor. Okay. That's what the book's about, and I was very fortunate. For, for 10 years, I was a head of security for a gentleman named Tony Robbins, and he became sort of my pseudo-mentor at that point, and he was kind enough to actually write something on the book about how he became who he is is because of his mentor, Jim Rohn. That, the it, most successful people always have a mentor. So let's talk about mentorship yep, yep. for a minute because I, I agree with you yep. 100%. I don't, there hasn't been a time in my life that I can think of that I didn't have somebody that was a coach, a mentor, yep. somebody that was helping lead me. And I don't think I will ever have a time in my life where I don't have yep. one. And sometimes it's multiple books. Right. Such as I have a therapist for my mental health. I have my pastor for my spiritual health. Right. I got financial advisors for my financial exactly health. right. I got people that are leaning into me, pressing into me, and... There's things, though, I've learned along the way that is important in mentorship. 
and I'd be curious of your insights. What when somebody's seeking a mentor, first, yep. what should they be seeking? Yep. What's important in a mentor? And what's our responsibility by being mentored? Yeah, that's a, that's a good insight. I think number one, what I think is extremely important are do your values line up? I've had people approach me about mentoring them, but they were in it for themselves. You know, one of the things I look for if I'm going to be talking or working with somebody or I'm working, I have a mentor, is look at the greater good. It's not about me. It's what can I use this, you can help me to help other people. So that's the first thing I look at is what's the, how the values line up. If they don't line up, it'll never work. It'll never work. Second thing is, you know, when people are, I think, are looking for a mentor is, and I share this, this today, is they're out there, but most people are afraid to ask. Yeah. Most people are afraid to ask because they, they think they're, they're fear of rejection. Yeah. There'll be someone no. Mm-hmm. And I basically do a little coaching and counseling before I even have that because I want to understand their mindset. Mm-hmm. Where are they coming from? Are they in it are they just for their own personal significance, mm-hmm. right? Or are they in it to contribute, right? Mm-hmm. Give. And that's what I'm looking for people who want to use what, my wisdom, what I can offer them, to do something positive with it to help somebody else, yeah. to leave the legacy. So that's the second thing I really look for. If they pass that stage, and then I, I lay out my process, I lay out a process, Here, here's what we're gonna do, and what's the one outcome you're looking to achieve? Just tell me one outcome. And I go through my, I give them education. Every month when I mentor, I teach a lesson. And then we apply that lesson to the outcome we're trying to get, and in, in one year so far, knock on wood, we've gotten the outcomes, because now we're refocusing on what's important, what's you know the outcome, and, and the meaning of it. What's the meaning to you, right? Yeah. And because meaning is the emotion behind it. Yeah. So those are the things I look for when I am looking for a mentor or being asked to do uh, something for somebody. So when you think about when you talk to people, what are the outcomes? What are the, I mean, I'm sure there's some common themes you see. Well, it's interesting because initially, you know, I've been in sales for a long time, so a lot of people are, want to get in my mind about that because I've been very successful in sales. Mm-hmm. What, do I did, did, what did I do differently? right, in sales. Sometimes we just go for the same, the singular business outcome, right? Fine, I'll mention you to do that, right? But with, with the, what's going on in the world right now, especially since COVID, because COVID was all about uncertainty, right? But I, when I talked to us, it, it wasn't just COVID. It was social justice questions, it was police, it was the election that kept going on and on, and it stacked in people. So one of the things, we, the outcomes with a lot of people is, how can I get unstuck? How did you create an opportunity to have a plane crash? People are like, all the time, well, how did you do this, right? And I shifted my mindset because once I figured out this wasn't about me and I could use this, and I had, what happened to me was it was a Sunday after the plane crash, a week, a week after Sunday after the plane crash, when I spoke for the first time. And a lady came up to me, she was elderly, and she looked me in the eye and said, I was questioning if there's a God, I don't believe in miracles, but your physical evidence, there's a God, he does miracles, thank you. And all of a sudden, I was talking to two men, one was from Bank of America and one was from Wells Fargo. And they started crying profusely. I've never seen two men cry like this. And all of a sudden, I realized I had a bigger mission. And I call that my distinct advantage, which is what you're most passionate about and most gifted at. You can put those two things together. That's what your unique ability is, your distinct advantage. And then that, I tell people, that's the point in time that changes everything in your life. Once you understand what you're most gifted at and most passionate about. If I can lock into those two things and help people understand what your distinct advantage is, we'll take that and run the ball and get your outcome. Let's go back for a second. I want to unpack something. Yeah. First of all, you, you were yeah. listening and you were observant to figure out what those two things are for you, right? In your circumstances, you could have been very easily a victim of those circumstances, 
but you decide to be a victor right. and use those. Then when that elderly lady walks up to you, as you tell that story and those two men crying profusely, they wanted hope. That's right. And what you were able to provide them is hope, hope yeah. in uncertainty. Right. And I, I agree with you. There's a lot of uncertainty in our world today. Especially today. What's oh. going on in this world right now? Is that, so this speak moment. to that right now. Yeah. And then how, you know, yeah. getting unstuck, yep. getting out of our tactical yep. things that we do every day and shifting our mindset to not uncertainty, but certainty. Right. Speak to that for a moment. One of the things I, I, I teach people, and I, I, I believe and I re realize this, when I had the opportunity to escort General Norman Schwarzkopf many years ago, I learned a lot of things that day. It's amazing to be around a four-star general and the mindset. But one, one of the things he told me is this, the person with the most certainty in uncertain times becomes the leader. And what he was telling me is this, it doesn't matter if you're the janitor or you're the CEO. If you can give people certainty, people will follow you. People will, will go to you. And, and that's, so right now, what's going on in this world, part of uncertainty, you gotta give people certainty that you can do. There's three things that, when I talk to CEOs, doctor, there's three things they, they're, they tell me they're looking for. Number one, they're looking for somebody who has confidence, who can get the job done. Second, they're looking for someone with competence. Have you done it? But third is the one that's sort of the one that everybody's sort of looking for is creativity. How can you give me a creative solution that, you know, I've never even thought about, mm. right? And those three things, when I talk to CEOs, it keeps coming over and over. And that creativity is the one that keeps coming back. Because right now, you can do the same game plan. You can run the same play over and over, and you'll get an outcome. But those who figure out maybe a little bit of difference, like, give you an example. And this sort of came to me on the plane. So after the plane crashed into the river, we, we, we survived, but now the, the plane's filling with water, right? You gotta get out, this thing's going down. And after I looked back in to the plane, also I saw people jumping up on top of the seats, walking down the seats. And I tell people that was one of the greatest lessons of my life, because most of the time in life, people think you may only have one way to get something done. But if you're creative, open your eyes, and don't judge, multiple choices come open. And all of a sudden, people became another, and now you have three out ways to get out of a plane instead of one. And all of a sudden, that was like one of the biggest lessons and business lessons for me. So when I speak and, and, and work with people and talk to people, I'm looking for out-of-the-box stuff. I'm looking how I can look at this thing in a different perspective. Because most people will run the same game plan, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I, two things that I think are most important right now in business, number one, you've got to be resourceful. You've got, because a lot of people have limited resources. It's about how you use the resources you have. But second, what people are looking for is the ability to anticipate. When I was with Tony, the reason he asked me to be a head of security for him, he said he saw something in me about the ability to be able to see the game ahead of time. Like when, like when Gretzky said, I see where the puck's going. If you can give that to somebody to be able to see the next play ahead of you before they see it, you're like the sage. And they will come to you. So when I work with people and, and talk to people, I try to see one or two plays ahead and try to figure out how can I get them there, right? and change their mindset to a point where no such word as can't. We, we're gonna figure this out, right? Mm -hmm. We're gonna be resourceful. And we're not gonna run the same game plan. We're gonna do something different. So, you know, it's amazing when you go through something like this, all these things. Mm -hmm. And these are the kind of things that Bill and Tony were teaching me. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden though, it just, it just sort of coalesces. So, you know, as I'm, I'm hearing you say that, I think the, the three C's. Confidence, confidence, competence, confidence creativity. creativity. Yep. Doesn't that go for every relationship? Isn't that what we all want? That's what everybody wants. It's, 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 it's blocking and tackling. Yeah. But a lot of people don't get it, right? Right. And so if I, if I think about that, and I think about businesses, mm -hmm. organizations, 
individual human beings. Businesses don't grow. People grow. Right. And if we can empower and equip people to be confident, yep. to develop their competency, and to start thinking creatively. Thinking yep. creatively, that's a skill set, and it's something you can work on. Yep. But it's something I, I, I love that you bring it up, because I think it's an area we don't talk about enough. Well, I yeah, this came to me. I was with KPMG years ago, and this story when it started coming to me. And I, so it took a few years to figure it out. But what happened was I was working on an account, and it was called Coca-Cola in Atlanta. And I was in supply chain, so we were looking at doing a supply chain strategy for Coca-Cola. Now, I was a lowly sales guy. You know, if you work with a big five or six, back then it was a big six firm, the partner runs the gig, runs the deal. But I got into Coca-Cola. Now, the, one of the, we had number one challenge was that KPMG's audit was with PepsiCo. So number one, internal sale was the hardest thing we ever had, trying to get them to buy into them. But second, we were losing this thing. We were, I mean, we were, we were going down the drain. And the partner wanted to do it his way. He wanted to run the same game plan as he's always run. I said, let me, let me go a different direction. He goes, oh, you can, but we're going to do this. And the strategy that it is, I had to think outside the box. And how what I figured out is this. I didn't know, and we didn't know how Coke bought. Everybody buys differently, right? Mm -hmm. So I found a former attorney who worked at Coke. He, and I asked him, he said, would you be willing to be a consultant to us, to help us? He wanted $10,000. And this is back in the late 90s. Uh, my partner wasn't really thrilled about spending $10,000 on something totally uncertain. I, put my, I actually put my job on the line. I said, fine, if it doesn't work out, I'll leave. I, I was that certain. I had to give him certainty, right? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, he said, fine, we'll, we'll spend it. And we got a you know, $5 million you know, supply chain because we finally figured out we had to go creative because everybody else was running the same game plan. It's like he wanted to run. Mm -hmm. But once we found somebody who could help us understand how does Coca-Cola buy, yep. that, was, that was gold. So that was really the first time I ever went really outside the box and started having to think, okay, if I can get creative on some of this stuff, I can probably accelerate my career and that's what happened. Have you ever read the book Blue Ocean Strategy? No, I've heard of it though. You would yeah. love it because it's really doing exactly what you're describing right now. How do we develop more blue ocean strategies versus red ocean, what everybody's doing, yep. been doing? How do we think more creatively? Yep. You, you have a different take on AI. Right. And it, I really enjoyed when I was listening to this of what that is. I want yep. you to share that with the audience. Yeah, I think right now, and I'm getting hit every day with it. I don't know if you are, but it's all about AI, artificial intelligence. And you got to learn this, you got to use this, you got to put it in business. And I was, one day I was just thinking about this. I'm like, you know what? Yes, it's important, but the real AI is have, having authentic interaction. Because what people missed in COVID and they crave now is that belly to belly, that, that having authentic interactions with people, understanding and having connection with people. Mm -hmm. See, one of the six human needs is connection, mm -hmm. right? So I think the real AI, the real power of AI is having the opportunity to sit down with somebody and be, you know, bury your soul. And they bury your soul. And you can get it out on the table and everybody has that authenticity in their relationship. It was a sort of a mindset change for me. But since I started doing that, I call five people a day and just do this. And that started during COVID. Uh, I started calling five people a day just to have these kind of interactions. So I love that. And I can't agree with you more. Yeah. We can't automate relationships. No. So if looking at AI through authentic interactions, that's where that never is going to go away. Nope. Never is going to go away. So if we can be certain about that, right. that helps to quiet some of our uncertainty too. Right. So invest in relationships. Invest in your own relationship with yourself so that you have something to give to other people. You well. offer first. Yeah, Always offer first. Another yeah. concept yeah. that I want you to pull yeah. apart. 
And, and ladies and gentlemen, I want you to go and get his books. Say them again for me. Moments Matter, uh-huh. From Turmoil to Triumph, are the two out right and now. And you got another one coming. The Limitless Life's coming out January 15th, okay. 2024. Take the time to go read his books and learn more about him. Because as you can see in this short conversation we've had so far, he's a wealth of knowledge, wealth of wisdom, and it's good stuff. This is going to help you be a better human being, not just a human doing. So pull up this yeah. concept for me. Yeah. Aviate, navigate, and communicate. Did I get it right? You got it right. right. I was in Orlando, Florida, and one of the things I have the opportunity to do now is I talk to captains. Mm-hmm. I just have that opportunity. So I talk to every captain I get just to get in their head a little bit. And he shared with me something. And he shared with me what his mindset was when he gets in the cockpit. You need to aviate, navigate, and communicate. So what does that really mean, right? So when you break it down in, say, business terms, aviate is keeping your plane in the air as long as you can, right? So during COVID, the successful organizations and people kept it going, right? They kept, it, they kept their plane up. That's what the captain did that day. He kept the plane up as long as he could until he had nothing left, right? So he aviated. So in your mind, you got, uh, when you got something going on, keep it going as long as you can persist. But second is navigate. Navigate, you got to have a game plan. You got to have a process, right? A lot of people forget this. They think they can wing it, right? A lot of people during COVID thought that, they, you know, I've done this. I can just go to virtual and do it. Well, you know, there's a lot of different things you got to look at. So the second point is if you keep your plane up, right, your personal plane up, now you have a game plan on how am I going to get there. But the more important thing is communicate. More importantly, communicate within yourself. Work on your mindset. Communicate in terms of the internal dialogue. And that's called state management, managing your state. And then on the outside communication, being an effective communicator, right, being succinct, getting the message out. A lot of people want to be verbose. Give me what I need to know. And that's what the captain told me. He said, all I want to know is what I need to know right now. So aviate, navigate, and communicate. It was a great strategy, and I, I practice it, and I teach it right now because I think one of the challenges coming out of COVID is people didn't understand it. You know, a lot of people thought, I'm not going to make it, and everything was stacked on them. But those folks who started, you know, just kept it going a little bit, right, just kept their plane up. You don't have to keep it up much. They didn't give up, right? They put the game plan together. Okay, now I've got to have a strategy to get out of this thing. And now I've got to be able to manage my state, internal communication, and and being able to communicate effectively to find your who's for your how. And that's the strategy that's helped me accelerate my business, that one strategy, finding my who's for my how. Dan Sullivan wrote a book. That's right. Who Not How, which is a fantastic, another fantastic. It's one of the greatest lessons of my life. Oh, it's such a big deal. Yep. Yep. Okay, so... We're going to close with this okay. this concept and because I think it, it, it really tailors well into what you were just saying about aviate, navigate, and communicate. And I heard process a number yep. of times. I heard it when you were talking about navigate. Yeah. And I heard you say something that said casual creates casualties. Casualness leads to casualties. Okay, talk about that. So I had the distinct honor and privilege of speaking at NASA for their safety days now in Cape Canaveral. Now, I grew up in the 60s where space was the coolest thing, right? I want to be an astronaut. Every kid wants to be an astronaut. But I had this opportunity to speak at NASA. And I negotiated, as part of my um, negotiation, is I wanted to have a private tour of behind the scenes. I want to see really what went on. So that was part of my agreement. So one of the things that I got, had the opportunity to do is they've got a room there. And it's locked. There's only limited access. But it's the remains of Columbia, Space Shuttle Columbia. It's the remains. It's where they put all that and basically all the notes on what happened, right? And there's one person that owns that room. So he and I had basically an hour together. And he wanted to learn about the miracle on the Hudson. I wanted to learn about this, right? So as we were talking, he said something. I mean, it was, it was like a light bulb. He said, if, if, Apollo 1, if Apollo 1 doesn't happen, do you know what Apollo 1 was? It was the first Apollo that when the three astronauts burned up inside oh, the yes. capsule, yep, yep, right? Yep. He said, if that doesn't happen, we don't get to the moon. 
And at first I'm like going, I don't understand. He goes, he goes, listen, we were getting so much money. We had so much attention. We got anything we wanted in NASA in the 60s. Right? This was the hottest thing out there, right? And we got casual. We got sloppy. And we missed some steps. And we had three people die. He said casualness led to casualties that day. And I'm like, so I start thinking, that's in business or personal life. This thing of your casual with your relationships, you get a divorce. Then you're casual with your money, you go broke. You're casual with your health. So I said, this is it's a metaphor now. If you, if you get casual with things in your life, it can lead to bad circumstances, right? Or death. So I thought that lesson to me stuck with me like it was just, I mean, it was amazing because he explained it in a way where, you know, it happened again in Colombia. He said, we got sloppy again because the space shuttle was going so easily, so well, and then they missed his O-ring, right? And all of a sudden, they lost, what, seven or eight astronauts. He said, that's why this room is so sacred because it keeps everybody, lets everybody understand and remember this, that we cannot get casual. We gotta be spot on because it causes, can take lives. Great, le- one of the greatest lessons of my life. Great lesson. Boy, a lot of good lessons in this conversation. So yeah. h- how do they learn more about you? Well, if they go to my website, davesandersonspeaks.com, it's all out there. But I write a weekly blog on LinkedIn with my new content. I just put it out there and let people read it. And uh, it's a way for me to communicate. And if you go to my website, what I'll offer is I, I produce, publish my own magazine called Moments Matter. If you go out there, you can download free copies of Moments Matter, get a subscription, download it every quarter. And every quarter, I have some leading experts along with myself that contribute articles about a moment in their life that was the shift in their life. And I've had some phenomenal people. And I can't wait for the next uh, quarterly edition that's coming out at the end of this month. So go to my website, go to where it says magazines, just click on subscription, get a free download, and you can, you can read content of not only myself, but some of the leaders in the, around the country. Thank you for that. Thank you. What a great conversation, ladies and gentlemen. I encourage you, take some of these nuggets that you just heard and start to apply them immediately into your life. Go read his books, go to his website and start to learn more about him. And I'm just gonna close this conversation with, you know that little elderly lady that said you're a miracle? Yep. I agree with her. I'm glad our paths crossed because I think the miracle on the Hudson was now become a miracle in so many other people's lives by the work you're doing. So I encourage you to keep doing it. Thank you very much. You can find more thoughts on how to move beyond bricks at drnathanunruh.com. 